everybody and welcome to the New Normal podcast with Dublin Tech Talks and Icon Accounting. This morning we have uh, Patricia Scanlon, founder and CEO of Soapbox Labs. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So Soapbox Labs, if, if people haven't heard about it, do you want to give a bit of a background about the business, what you do and then the, the product that you have? Yeah, sure. So Soapbox Labs, were voice tech for kids. Uh, we uh, have developed our own uh, proprietary high accuracy speech recognition specifically for children's voices. Um, we license our technology to third parties so they can be integrated into uh, English language learning, literacy products, robots, toys. Um, so we voice enable uh, those experiences with kids. Brilliant. And, and where did the product come from? Where did the, the idea come from? Your, uh, it's, it's a brilliant, I've, I've followed your story a bit over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's great, it's great to see the success it has, but where has the, you know, what was the idea formated from and what was the aha moment you had? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been in the area of speech recognition for over 20 years now. So machine learning, AI, whatever you want to, umbrella term you want to use for it. Um, so I started as an engineer, uh, electronic engineer, ended up doing a PhD in speech recognition, ended up working in IBM and Alcatel-Lucent. So all the while I was doing kind of that research piece around speech recognition. Um, and then in 2013, I was, you know, my daughter was three at the time and it was back then, it was kind of the, the, the time that apps were huge, much bigger almost than they are now. Like people are making millions out of apps and stuff. And there was a, a lot of really high quality. There still is today, a lot of high quality educational apps. So I was actually giving my daughter some nice engaging literacy, early literacy apps to play with. Fabulous, really well designed, really well built, a lot of pedagogy and you know, research gone into them. But what I found was that when it was trying to teach her words and sounds, it would just play her the sound and she'd pick the corresponding letters or words to, yeah. to match. Or it, it would have a fun little game that, you know, the little character would go left or right and fork and, and it would play the sound she had to pick. So um, I was getting all these update emails about her progress, but she was only three and a half at the time. So when I was quizzing her on her responses, you know, I said, well, what's that sound? What's that word? And she didn't know, didn't know, didn't know. And what I actually started observing was that while it was able to give her multi-choice to assess her progress, it couldn't assess her ability to recall or to pronounce the letters and sounds. So having spent my whole career in research and speech recognition, um, it seemed like a very obvious piece to, to plug, uh, plug that very significant gap in literacy. And then obviously English language learning or any language learning falls under that. Um, so I started looking at what was out there and realizing it didn't work for kids. So even though we had Siri at the time, it was pre-Alexa, I think, okay, Google was, was just starting around then. Um, but it was definitely pre that kind of, um, you know, widespread um, adoption of speech recognition in society. Um, and what was out there was stuff that was built for adults. Yeah. So it slowly began to dawn on me that everything I'd been doing my whole career up to that point was adult speech recognition. And we hadn't actually paid any attention to how different kids' voices are and how different kids' behaviours are, uh, particularly when they interact with technology. So it just became very apparent that there was a, uh, that aha moment, that light bulb moment was, you have, if you want to tackle this in the real world, you've got to build a proprietary system from the ground up in order to address a specific problem. And, and it was going to be huge. 
Um, and, and that's pretty much where it started back in 2013. And, and then, you know, I'm a father of two kids. <laughs> yeah, tech is, is heavily involved in, in what we do, especially now more than ever with, with homeschooling mm. and, you know, trying to figure out different ways of, of learning. You know, it doesn't always have to be a, a book or a page. You know, it's the, there's some great apps out there, as you said. You know, has there been a, have you seen the, a quicker adoption of, of kids tech and ed tech over the last kind of you know, 12 months, 18 months? I, I, I wasn't aware of how widely used yeah. it was until, you know, my, my daughter went to school. It, it had been, um, it, it, I think education is one of the, the last big industries to be digitized actually, you know, um, but it had, and particularly in the U S there was a huge adoption of, um, uh, technology uh, you know there's, there's districts in the US where every child has an iPad like you know or some kind of tablet or a Chromebook whereas I think on this side of the water we're definitely lagging in that well you know there may be recommendations for stuff um, you know I have two kids as well and you know since this crisis began we're definitely seeing a lot of uh, more of, the, of what they're doing but um, the US was way ahead of us um, and Asia too so since this crisis began any of our any of the uh, products that we're voice enabling have seen a massive uptick in usage. Um, in number of kids, uh, mental engagement with each child, um, as well as a huge influx in interest um, for our services, for our voice enabling products, like for many different, across ed tech, across English language learning, across entertainment. You, you, you mentioned the States there, there was the, correct me if I'm wrong, over the last 12 months, the. The, the, the contract you won in the states the yes you know that, that must have been a, a great valid um you know great kind of recognition and validation of the work that you've been doing to kind of say you know this is a, a mainstream product yeah that was huge so that one particularly is uh the florida center for reading research um they are you know honestly the leaders in the u.s hugely respective early literacy experts um, and they um, selected Soapbox Labs as speech, their speech recognition partner for, it's a very, it's a long five-year project. That project is funded by Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Um, you know, it involves Harvard, Florida Center of Reading Research, um, MIT, and it's a much bigger project. But we're dealing with this guys in Florida, and they are integrating this, um, our technology into their products across multiple districts, thousands of kids, and basically showing how technology um, as they said, you know, the, the quote from them was like, you know, speech technology that actually works. So they managed to find us and we're, they believe us to be the right partner for them because our technology works at high accuracy and they can, what they're doing now is studying how um, well our, our speech technology performs uh, compared to human evaluators. So we've done this ourselves, but it's great to get that external validation from mm. such a respected institute in the US. Brilliant. And um, then, you know, We'll be doing a series on this as we go around the kind of startups to watch for 2020. Um, there, there seems to be a lot of positive energy going towards the business over the last kind of 12, 18 months, which is great to see. Um, is, is there an evolution of your product? Is there an evolution of the business? Is it or get really good at what we do? Is that the yeah? No, man, definitely. Like so, you know. First thing is when you're in this kind of, I suppose, you know, AI space, you're never going to be finished, right? You're always going to be evolving the product, um, new state of the art, new research, new techniques to make it smarter, better, faster, 
more accurate all the while. So we're, you know, we've got a huge lead on that and the accuracy and our latency and our, our scalability globally. Um, we recently announced a new product, which is around fluency. So it's a huge measure of how a child is doing. Um, it can be done multiple times a year or, or, or just summatively once a year or in the US. It can be used for practice to tell how a child's fluency is. So that's words correct per minute minus errors, substitutions, deletions. And that, that number that comes out, that fluency measurement, can help teachers identify kids who are slipping or kids who need intervention or help, whatever. So really, really proud of that because that was a tough, mm. really tough one to get it, um, get out into the market. Um, so we've got a number of uh, clients working to, to integrate on that right now. Um, our, we were successful in DTIF, uh, which is the Disruptive Technologies Innovation Fund with the government um, in partnership with Experia and NUIG in late last year and that's around taking our technology offline okay that's going to be not just offline as in you can switch off the wireless on your phone or in your tablet but to be able to put our technology on a low cost low power consumption uh, high processing chip and then that chip can be used an embedded chip can be used in a toy or a robot or in any experience within a cost profile that's attractive to the toy industry, which is really, you know, that's always a tricky one with the toy industry. And all of a sudden you can have these cool voice engaging experiences where the kids are chatting to a robot, a toy, having this really nice, um, you know, new experience that they don't really have now where it's, you know, imagine the character can actually yeah. hear them and remember what they said their favorite color was or something like that, just changes the experience. Um, but key to that as well is just kind of cutting the, cutting the cord, cutting the snips to the cloud and having that experience completely offline. So then you have, nobody has to worry about um, Wi-Fi connectivity. Nobody has to worry about data privacy concerns. Nobody has to worry about like, you know, a system waking up and listening and recording and um, um, audio if it's in the kid's bedroom or anything like that. And I think that will do a lot for trust, um, you know, with parents and in the industry and in an industry that's been plagued with kind of scandals around data privacy, it's, it's, it's key. Yeah, and, and obviously the last, we'll, we'll move on into somewhere now different, but the, the, the last kind of six, 12 weeks, I'm guessing there's been a massive kind of interest in, in what, what is the, the product, which is speech recognition, because parents probably have seen a lot more of the education side of, of, of where they are. Yeah. And, you know, myself as well, I'm, I'm very, you know, is there some other way of, of teaching my kids or, you know, does it always have to be the traditional way? I'm, I'm guessing there's been a massive it's even from schools as well around trying to help. Yeah, I mean, it, the last seven weeks and, and now we're where, you know, in Ireland, it's going to go on till, you know, when the kids aren't going to go back till September. And I think that's really worrying. And what's worrying everybody is that every summer they have a thing called a summer fade where kids, you know, their literacy slips um, and then it has to be caught up again in September. We're going to have a much longer period. And, you know, I mean, there, there are concerns about a second wave and stuff like that that, you know, parents are stressed, you know, we're all trying to um, homeschool on top of work, on top of balancing, you know, you know, everything in, you know, the stressful time as well. Ideally, you would like a child if they have, if they're being given digital products to engage them, to be able to help their learning, they have to be really good. Like they have to be engaging, they have to be given feedback. So, you know, it, you don't just do technology for technology's sake. I think that's a really dangerous road to go down. What you want to do is very thoughtful implementation of technology where it can actually help. 
um, you know, 15 minutes a day reading where the system listens to a child as they read aloud and corrects prompts and courage, that's useful. And that's useful because the parents go, okay, I can see the child is, is engaging because it's fun, because they're using their voice and they're getting a response, but also it's correcting them. And it's actually managing that, that interaction and, and then feeding back to the teacher that, so the teacher can keep an eye on the kids that need maybe a little bit more help than others or an intervention strategy. There's loads of things like that. I think in a crisis like this, it's kind of really highlighting the lack, particularly for the young kids, of, of, of no feedback mechanism. Unless you have somebody be able to sit there every day and we all know it's, it's it, you know, it's not just one subject. You've got many other subjects too and many other stresses that the more technology can help that engagement, the better the outcomes will be for the kids. Yeah, I've, I've noticed it massively. You have a seven, nearly eight, and she goes to special reading classes, the, the, uh, the extra, I don't know what they're called now, the, uh, the, the, for reading and, and there's only so much as you know we could I myself we can teach them because we're not trained in, in yeah true genetics and you know and, and pushing that you know what yeah. we think is right is probably not right because that's not our special yeah so there, there is so what you'd like as an objective measure or an objective system to be able to help with that yeah oh 100% you know you know interest like any part of the schooling that we're doing it's like that's not how my teacher does it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 you'll never be as good well, so, you know you're, yeah. you're always going to be daddy or mommy or whoever yeah 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 second yeah. class yeah so yeah no, it's, a, it's a really interesting topic that so um yeah let's let's roll it out for the department of education yeah um, yeah it needs to be done soon so the, the product itself is very technical the on the ai machine learning voice recognition um you know, how, how has that been for the business to grow, find the talent in Ireland at the moment? Um, you know, just, just on that side of it, has that been a, a challenge or has that been something you're surprised at? Um, well, not, let's say if we take the whole evolution of the company, we're 22 people now, uh, we're growing pretty quickly, we're still hiring. Um, we, the people are key, right? So making sure we found the right people with the right tech skills fit, but the right kind of cultural fit and, you know, somebody that was, you know, you know, really passionate about what we do. Um, it's kind of, it's a nice subject matter. It's a nice technology to work on. It's kind of fun. It's really interesting. Um, so all those factors, we've got, you know, a seriously amazing technical team now, both on, you know, we have infrastructure, engineering, um, speech technology, machine learning, like so many skills that are needed to make this happen and deliver it globally, uh, make it happen at high accuracy and then deliver it globally and at scale and cost-effectively. Um, it was challenging in order to find, because you're not always going to find all those skills in Ireland. So we have, we've got like 10 nationalities working with us at the moment. Um, we, we found, you know, a lot of people here, we contact people abroad, we interview them. Um, it's, Europe is a better base to do it in. I would say Ireland is actually a really good place to do it. A lot of people since Brexit would like to come to Ireland as opposed to risk what might and might not happen with Brexit. Uh, US is closed to a lot of people or it's very difficult. Um, even a startup in the US trying to do what we do would struggle to find really quality people because they're always in competition with all big tech. Uh, whereas we have Europe, um, you know, where, you know, we're competing with some in, in the UK for talent, but, you know, a lot of people don't want to work there and they want to go to an English speaking country. So I think Ireland has a lot of advantages. We have a highly educated workforce, there's amazing engineers out there, there's a lot of people retraining in AI and machine learning as well, computational linguists. You know, I, I without a shadow of a doubt, would 
be happy and we will remain in Ireland doing our product and engineering like because it, it, it's actually a significant advantage for us to be able to do it out of here. Yeah, it's good to hear. It's um, good validation on, on, on what we always say. You know, it's a, it's a really good part. So the, the business has grown quickly and, you know, has that been, you know, how, how have you funded that? Has that been through private investment or is that through VC or which way has that been done? We funded the company uh, through a, a mix of grant funding for innovation funding. So, you know, we are a deep tech company. We've invested very deeply in this technology, we need patient capital. Um, so we were very lucky um, in the investors, well, lucky and selective as well. We, we really wanted to find investors um, that were very aligned with what we were trying to do, who understood it, um, who had the patient, were excited by it, were excited, excited by the possibility. Um, we first did private funding in 2017, then in 2018, we secured EU funding um uh, an innovation grant 1.5 million um we then did further private funding um you know up until we did our dtif funding which is another innovation grant from ireland this time instead of the eu um that's very recent and then coupled with more private investment so in total i think we've about 10.5 million euro in investment in the company we don't we haven't done vc mm. um we you know at the moment our cohort of investors and the people that have come to us um, are a really good fit. They're a good fit for what we're trying to do, a good fit on this kind of patient capital model for deep tech, you know, innovation driven enterprises. It, it seems to be very much the, you know, it, it's a nice business to be involved in. It, 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 you know, it's, yeah. you know, it's a, and, and you've said a few times around the fit and the people that work in your business, you know, that, that must be key to innovation. That must be key to, to, to how you're driving through your product. Yeah, there's a lot of factors, isn't there? Like, I mean, you, you can't do this alone. Like, I mean, you know, one of my biggest things is making sure, you know, I've always tried to find the best people possible in every role. So in the beginning, any startup, you're doing everything badly yourself, but you're doing everything, right? And then slowly you begin to find people who are better than you at all these different topics and, and delegating and trusting and, and finding really good, uh, you know, colleagues and friendships and people, you know, it's and trust that suddenly you know frees you up to to divert your attention back to stuff that you that you're that i'm good at like there's so many things i i, I was attempting in the beginning and i know i'm not the, the right person for so i i did my best to find the right people who could do those things better than i could ever do and then i could move on to things that i'm better at like and, and that has worked really well like you know we've got an amazing team now together like so and have you found that one of the harder parts the coming in as you know founder building it's your product letting go certain parts of it and being you know trusting people to be able to love the product as much as you clearly do is that a is no it wasn't hard no no i quite happily handed off once i found the right person i think what was hard is finding the right people yeah um you know that's you know what we you know build, you know so you find that person you have the trust but once you know they're the right person though it's, it's a very easy thing to do and i think that's why it's worked because you know, letting go, um, letting go and, and going back to what you're good at uh, and how you can really help the business as opposed to trying to oversee everything, keep your finger in every pie like that. I don't think that works. I don't think it's practical to scale like that. You know? no, I, don't, I, I don't think any business has scaled well. That the, 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 Yeah. All the fingers and all the pots. Um, yeah, no, no. And, sure. and then just over the last kind of 
what you know eight weeks since March. How 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 has the business changed for you internally? You you're, you're now obviously everybody's remote. Has that been an advantage? Have you seen a new way of working? Um, it it happened very easily for us. I mean, you know, our our all our you know technology leads were very you know keen from the get-go you know our, our director of engineering and speech technology were very keen to set up a kind of centralized way of working so that all new employees when they come in could onboard quickly and be contribute and be effective um, and be productive um, so everything was designed in a very kind of uh, centralized way so that we actually do have two people who work remotely but everybody else was in the office so by, by building it that way. And you really are investing a lot in, in being able to build out those kind of uh, architectures and structures so that when it happened that we all just picked up our laptops and went home, it was fairly seamless. But it was actually almost an investment years ago to get to that point where it has been hugely productive. You know, and unbeknownst to us, we were just doing it in a very good way so that people from all over could contribute. Uh, but it helped in our remote working scenario. Um, like everybody, this is, you know, it's an eye opener to be able to do 100% remote. Um, but so far, you know, it's, it's, it's been good. It's been productive. It's been, you know, everybody's really enthusiastic. It's a, like a great bunch of people. So uh, the enthusiasm in the community, even virtually, is actually quite strong. And, uh, you know, being supportive of each other, I think is important because it's just such a weird time. We're only, what, eight weeks into this? It's not even, it, it's only... Oh, it's only been eight weeks. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think, I don't think we know yet the, the full impact of, of what this has long-term on the, you know, on any business. Like, you know, I think we're beginning to get a sense of it, but, you know, I think it'll be three or four months, you know, when we've had time to reflect back on what's happened and then prepare ourselves, to be honest, if it's ever going to, if it's, it's the possibility of this happening again, that we're all on lockdown uh, for, you know, potentially in the wave that happens. And I think that has to be very realistic looked at from every business yeah but how, how you go back to offices and yeah know. yeah or what happens again on another lockdown you know i mean yeah. that's it i mean it's nothing's going to be the same again we're just all have to rethink this like you know but, and, and that's okay like say, we'll get there and and just to kind of finish up your your, your kind of business seems to be in a, a really good position really like attacking the market what 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 do you feel the next kind of 6 12 18 months has in in store so in the next couple of months, we've a lot of big announcements to be made. I mean, we've a lot of big products going out there. We've got a lot of new product launches over the next 12 months as well. Um, partnerships um, that we're working with and will announce too. So, you know, as I said earlier, there you know are things to go. We've just launched our fluency products, so getting them out into schools and, and homes. Um, then also our the toys and robotics, um, the kind of embedded strategy as well. So there'll be a lot around that, you know, as well as, you know, automatic speech recognition, you know, just doing transcriptions, a lot of different kind of um, aspects to where this can go, where it will go in the next 12 to 18 months. But it's solidly children's voice tech enabling in different use cases and scenarios um, in the coming 12 months, six months, 12 months. Um, but yeah, a lot of big announcements probably coming down the line this year. Brilliant. It's, it's been really nice speaking today, uh, Patricia. It's a, it's a great story and it's, it's great. Thanks. It's an Irish story as well, which is, which is even better. Yeah, uh, let's go. So yeah, no, thanks for, for, for sharing your story. Uh, Patricia is CEO, founder of uh, Soapbox Labs. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.